0: Good morning, church. Man, what an exciting time to be together this morning to celebrate our risen Savior, who is absolutely on His throne in heaven, and He provides all the blessing, joy, peace that we have in our life. We lean into His story because of all the things that He does for us. Indeed, He makes all things new. Does He not, church? Uh, We are so blessed to be able to follow the Son of God and get the blessing that He gives for us each and every day of our life. So glad to have you here this morning as we have uh, gathered around in prayer and song, as we lift to His name in praise. We'll dig into the Word of God here in just a moment to discover how we're called to live, uh, but also to look across the aisle and see one another uh, helps us on the journey, be encouraged and know that we're not in this thing alone. His Spirit lives within us, and you guys on my left and right, man, this thing is going to be okay, isn't it? We are the family of God here at Cross Point, and we love journeying together. I want to say a welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us, being a part of Crosspoint this morning. We're excited to have you here. We hope that you've seen Jesus Christ in our midst. And of course, if you're looking for a church home, and we'd love you to think about Crosspoint as being that place to spiritually raise your family, to join us and use your gift set to help tell that story of Jesus Christ, that story of hope that is the only thing this world needs to hear. Because the, the script the world offers is not a good one and Jesus is the only one that brings life. And so we want to share that story with all those around us because indeed he does make all things new. We're going to start off in Isaiah chapter 59 this morning. We're going to look at several different texts today. They'll all be on the screen as well, but I hope you've got your Bibles and we will follow along as we dig into the Word of God and discover how we're called to live in this second series, second session of the series called uh, Blank Page. We've been talking about the silence of God. And last week, we talked about and kind of unpacked when we believe that God is silent in our life. Because if you're like me, there have been moments when you have cried out. There have been moments when you've asked for discernment and wisdom. There have been moments when you have prayed and called out to God, but it seemed like that He wasn't around, that He was absent, that He might have even been AWOL, that He's not even paying attention to your story. And what we discovered last week through Scripture was the realization that even in the silence, God is still working But even in the silence, God still keeps his promises. And we looked at God's word last week and discovered even thousands of years ago, the promises that he made to his people are true for us today. God still follows through on his promises even today, even when you believe that he's silent in your story. And finally, we discovered in the silence, God is still watching your story unfold. He's not left you alone, but indeed he's walking with you, journeying with you, even when we believe that He's not around, know that God loves you and He is with you in that story. In that moment, you find yourself struggling and looking for answers. But today, we're going to take a look at the idea that uh, what if the silence has something to do with us? What if we don't hear the voice of God because of all the background noise going on in our own life? And so we're going to kind of dig into Scripture and discover some ways that maybe if you're like me, you can realize and acknowledge, yeah, there are some things going on in my life that that I really need to let God take care of, that I need to listen to Him and closely be quiet and lean in to what He's got for me in my story. You know, you, you purchase things along the way, and many times they come with a troubleshooting guide in the box. Maybe you bought a printer, a new computer, whatever it might be. You might could download that off the internet as well. But generally speaking, there are moments when something doesn't work right, and you can go to that troubleshooting guide to discover exactly what is it that is the problem. And sometimes you can rule out, okay, I'll check this out, and I know it's not this thing over here. I've gone this direction, and I know it's not this thing over here. So it's got to be this particular thing. So this morning, we are going to take a look at some troubleshooting guide tips for us in our own life. I recall way back in the day when I used to work for Walmart in Oklahoma, I was a store manager, worked for Walmart for 11 years, and working with retail or with people in retail sometimes brings very interesting stories. I have many, many, many great <laughs> stories. You have shopped at Walmart, so yeah, you know the stories, you, you, you understand. But I remember this older couple one one day bought a TV. They took it home to set it up. This is pre-flat screen, so you've got the big box going home. Uh, and I get a, a phone call, rather, he called the store, the gentleman called the store, was not happy, very upset, wanted to talk to a manager, and so I got the call. Uh, once I got on the phone, the, the gentleman on the other end of the phone had some very choice words for me and some uh, colorful words about the item that he had purchased at our store. He was not happy because it wasn't working. Uh, And uh, he he mentioned he got it set up in the room, in the living room. Everything was just as it should be, and the thing doesn't work. And so what you're going to do, young man, (laughs) is you are going to bring me a new TV and take this thing back to the store. I paid a lot of money for this, and I expect it to work. I said, hey, we're here to serve. So, yes, we will do that if we need to. But before we get started, before I come out to your house... Let's look at some troubleshooting things. Now, you've got it set up in the room that you want it in, correct? Yes, it's in the living room on the credenza. We've got two recliners right there. We're ready to watch some TV, but nothing is on the tube. I said, okay, next step. Have you plugged it in? Silence. Yes, plugging it in helps the thing work. Thank you very much, Mr. Hall. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, you've got to plug the thing in before it actually comes on. And so I don't know how many times that actually happened where we got a phone call, someone was upset, and they just hadn't plugged the thing in. There are moments in our life where we need some troubleshooting advice about why we're not hearing the voice of God. And so hopefully this morning we'll unpack some things, and I will warn you, some of these things might be painful. Painful. Some of these things might help us be a little introspective and understand how God's calling us to live in this world, how we're called to follow Jesus Christ, and it might mean that I need to give something up, and generally speaking, that means I need to give myself up. So, troubleshooting tip number one, confess your sin. And we will wait right here until the first person, no, we're not going to do that, just kidding. (laughs) confess your sin you know our our house plan uh, is a very open plan and so there are moments when i'm watching the football game and we're all pumped about football season finally being here aren't we amen. yes excited i got the first amen right over here that's excellent, excellent. We're ready for football to start, but there are moments when I'm watching the game and I can't really hear what's going on because of the open concept of our home. Maybe someone left the laundry door open and we were washing and drying some clothes, a lot of racket coming out of that room. Maybe somebody's in the kitchen and they're either cooking or cleaning up or running the dishwasher, some racket coming in from that direction. Could be the dog barking next door, maybe a conversation happening other than the most important thing, watching the football game. You never know. And I go to turn the remote up. Maybe you've had this too. Go to turn the remote up, and it's really up all that it can go. You still can't hear what's going on. The only alternative I have in the moment is to turn down some of the background noise. And church, unconfessed sin in our life is background noise. Where we have difficulty hearing the voice of God because of other things that are going on in our life. And we wonder where the voice of God is, but it's being drowned out by other background noise. A church, every time that you confess sin in your life, you open up the gateway to more clearly hearing the voice of God. Now, that confession may not be in front of 300 people at your local church. But it certainly has to do with your confession and submission to God in prayer, in your own life, but also that you might have two or three other people that you trust in your life that you're willing to sit down and say, look, I'm really struggling here. I've got this temptation that continues to reoccur in my life. Can you help me? Can you talk with me? Can you pray with me? Someone that will hold you accountable in your own life as you confess that sin. And so, church, the question is this morning, do you have sin in your life that you need to confess in order to hear more clearly from God. And so Isaiah writes in chapter 59, he says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have you cut off from God because of your sins. He has turned away and will not listen anymore. And we're reminded that there is background noise at times in our life that make it very difficult to hear the voice of God in our life. It's not that God is too busy that he doesn't hear you. It's not that he can't save you. But what God says many times is you've made a decision that you believe you can save yourself when you need to be still and listen to my voice in your life, humble yourself and confess your sin to the Lord. But for many of us, if you're like me, you've kind of said this thing, well, it's not really a big deal. It's, it's no biggie compared to other sins that are out there, and in truth, it is a big deal. Maybe it's been around in your life for so long, it's just come, become part of the landscape. You just kind of ignored it. Because you've ignored it for long enough, it's just become part of your story, and you really don't see it anymore. But is there some sin in your life that God wants to draw to the surface? Is there something going on in your life that God wants to pull out of the darkness and into the light? Because God's desire is to speak truth into your life. God's hope is that you will humble yourself, surrender to him so that you can clearly hear his voice as you live out life. Now, as we go through some of these troubleshooting points, you probably noticed when you walked in, there's a card in your chair. Uh, And you may not want to write something down every point that we talk about, but there may be something you want to write down Maybe this first point, is: you get that card and take a look at it, you might want to write down the temptation, the sin that you're dealing with. Don't sign your name to the card. Just write down the thing you're struggling with. At times, you might want to write down someone's initials or a name or something that you're dealing with in your own life. At the very end of service, we're going to do something with that card. So that card is there for you to kind of visually write something down as we kind of go along. We'll place that card somewhere at the end of service. But we're also going to take some time, and we're going to do that right now as well, to take about 30 seconds of silence in this room for us to think about here, what sin do you need to confess? What are you struggling with? What's the temptation that continues to knock at your door? Let's take 30 seconds. Bow our heads and just think. Troubleshooting tip number two, forgive, and there's a blank intentionally left there because we don't want just generic filling in. Let's forgive all the Republicans. No, we don't want to do that. Let's forgive every team that ever beat the Dallas Cowboys. No, we're not going to do that. My guess is if you're like me, there is a name that comes to mind, somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe you just want to jot down their initials or a first name but somebody that you would like to forgive. Now, I'm not saying that today you're ready to forgive that person, to go to them and talk it out and get it all squared away. But in your heart of hearts, you know at some point you need to forgive them. You need to move on and let go of whatever it is they did to you in your life. Forgiveness is the one word with the exception of faith. Forgiveness is partnered with prayer so many times in Scripture. Prayer and forgiveness seem to go together. And what we discover is that our connection to God has a lot to do with our connection to one another. That's repeated over and over in Scripture. That we're called really to forgive those who have done us wrong. And we can make every storyline, every excuse in the book, well, Tim, you don't know what they did to me. And at the end of the day, what you and I have to do as followers of Christ is to look at that cross, realize that there are people, including me and you, who put Jesus on that cross, who killed him, and yet Jesus said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. We're called to let go of the bitterness And anger that we're hanging on to in our life so that we will hear God's voice more clearly in life. Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, he said, When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. We tend to think, hey, it's just those two people. They're working on their relationship or not working on their relationship. They're, they're involved in unforgiveness. But when it comes to you, understand that not forgiving is going to hurt your soul. It'll hurt your body. It'll hurt your mind. We've got to release that because that's how God has called us to live. And so this morning is a, is a realization for you and I to, to think about how am I going to extend forgiveness to the people who have hurt me? Not because they've asked for it or they even deserve it, but because I know that's what God did for me through his son, Jesus Christ. He's forgiven me. And so I forgive others because of what God has done for me. Maybe in your own life, you're realizing that you haven't forgiven yourself. Maybe in your own life, you struggle with decisions that you've made in the past. God has forgiven you. He's allowed you to move forward. But yet you in your own life have not forgiven yourself. Maybe you are the one that you need to forgive. And so in this next 30 seconds of silence, I want you to think about who in your life Do you need to forgive? Who do you need to release and let go? Let's bow our heads and think about that for about 30 seconds. Troubleshooting tip number three, honor your spouse. The Bible is very clear on this when it comes to biblical marriage and relationship that we're called to, to honor the, the one that we've decided to live our life with. It's so important. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live. Together. Next slide. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Can you imagine, even in Scripture, we're called to honor other people so that our prayers will not be hindered. It's so important, church, that we treat one another with love and respect, especially the ones that we've made a decision to partner with for life, to marry for life. Now, how many of you men here have daughters? Raise your hand. You want that young man to treat your daughter well, don't you? And if they don't, they're going to need to see you about that, right? I don't know if you've thought about this, but think about this. Your wives' husbands, our wives, are daughters of God. And so God's calling us to treat her with love and honor. But this is really a spousal plea, if you will. And so, wives, we're calling you also to respect and honor your husbands. Why? Because your husbands are sons of God. We are all children of God. At the very end of the Old Testament, we mentioned this last week, Nehemiah and Malachi are contemporary uh, workers in the kingdom. They lived about 420 years before Jesus was born. And so at the very end of the Old Testament, God has some very important things to say to God's people. And he says in chapter 3, he talks about how they're worshiping and how he does not like inauthentic worship, that he wants to be number one in their lives, and that they're not bringing in the whole tithe to the temple. Then he goes on to say, if you truly worship me authentically, I'm going to give you so much blessing that you will not be able to hold it within yourself. Test me, try me in this. But in those last moments as well, he says in chapter 2, Here is another thing that you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping, and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings, and he doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. And church, many times in our marriage, we forget it's not just the two of us in a marriage, but Jesus is in the middle of that marriage as well. And we made vows before each other and before God that we would honor, love, and respect our partner. It's so important for us to realize that. So husbands, do you treat God's daughters with love and honor? Wives. Do you treat God's sons with respect and honor? I want to give us about 30 seconds to think about that, whether you're in a marriage context, whether you are, have a fiancé or may, maybe you're in a serious dating relationship. How is it that you treat, how do you love, honor, and respect the person that you're with right now? Let's take 30 seconds and think about that. Troubleshooting tip number four, care for the needy. God would ask each and every one of us as representatives of his son here on earth, you ask for me in prayer to provide for you, and yet you don't really reach out and help those in need around you. And as people of God, as people who are called to look like Jesus, we're called to be compassionate and understanding with those around us. The writer in Proverbs chapter 21 says this, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. He also says in Isaiah chapter 58, we have fasted before you, they say, why aren't you impressed? It's the people of God talking to God. We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, bending to the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves in ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this is what pleases the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. We're called as people of God to look around and not just live in our own bubble, but to help the needy, help those who are around us. And initially, we think right away, that means write a check. Just write a check and move on. Give it to ministry. While there are moments where that is absolutely important, case in point right here on stage, a a plea went out a a few weeks ago to help out, let, let kids have the supplies that they need, Uh, to get back to school for families who could not afford it. You guys gave generously, which is so true for Crosspoint in every level. And you see in front of you the things that were given to help kids get back in school. A couple of three times a year, we do a thing called Blue Bucket Sunday. It's coming up next month uh, where we give over and above the normal contribution time. Uh, And the money that's given to Blue Buckets go for families in our town, in Grand Prairie. It doesn't leave this place. And we help folks who are having trouble with maybe rent or medical expenses, whatever it might be. And you guys are very generous to help out in that regard too. But there are lots of ways to help those in need without writing a check. Maybe some of us could say, you know what, I'm willing to give up a quarter of my year to help teach kids in our kids ministry. To let kids know how much Jesus loves them. Or maybe help out in our youth ministry, be a part of a a chaperoning uh, situation, or maybe help lead a a small group in our youth ministry. Get very involved in our men's ministry or our women's ministry. Take Take a, make a decision to go on a mission trip, whether that's right here locally or abroad to Honduras or Kenya, or maybe just be present. Carve out some margins in your calendar to have coffee with people who just need to talk about life and what's going on in their life. Take opportunity to listen. You and I have been called to help those who are in need around us. Troubleshooting tip number five, the most difficult thing for me, to be still and listen, to be still. So many times in our relationship, it looks like a one-way street, if you will. We do a whole lot of talking, but not a lot of listening to God, don't we? If you're like me, you'll agree to that. It's not much of a friendship, though, when you do all the talking and you do no listening because, see, real relationship is about listening and responding. It's about listening and responding. There's a great story. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, the prophet Elijah has kind of called out some of the false prophets to say, I want to prove to you that God is who he says he is. And they have this meeting on Mount Carmel. Some 450 false prophets against one guy by the name of Elijah. Queen Jezebel is kind of running the show here. She has this idolatry thing going on. And sure enough, as Elijah approaches They can't get Baal to answer them at all. And so Elijah comes to the altar and calls upon God. God quickly shows up and all of Israel says, yes, God, he is God. He's the only God. Elijah goes on to actually put to death the 450 prophets of Baal and Queen Jezebel is upset and she says, Elijah, as you've killed my my prophets, I'm going to kill you. Elijah takes off running, and in chapter 19, he runs for about three days until he gets to the mountain of God. He enters into a cave, and he lays down to rest, and the angel of the Lord comes to the cave and says to Elijah, what are you doing here? You're the man of God. God's talking to you. As a matter of fact, God is about to pass by the mouth of this cave. He wants you to know that you and him are tethered. You're together. And so Elijah goes to the front of the cave, and he covers his head, and God begins his approach. God's not at the cave yet, but already happening at the cave is this great wind, like a hurricane force wind that is blowing rocks everywhere. There's an earthquake, and the rocks break in half. There is fire, and even all of this, God still hasn't got to the cave yet. But when God finally gets to the cave, it's in a whisper. And God says, what are you doing here? One version says that it was quieter than a whisper. The NSRV says that it was the sheer sound of silence when God was present. So the question this morning is, do you and I make time to sit still and listen to God through prayer and his word. What part of the day do you have carved out where you can sit and listen to God? The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 46 that the very famous and popular text, be still and know that I am God. And someone said that stillness is silence on the outside and surrender on the inside. And you and I in our life need to work on surrendering so that we clearly can hear better the voice of God. And the final troubleshooting tip, point number six, is that you need to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So many of us think, you know, I'm not nearly as bad as the guy over there or the gal over there. I'm way better than them. I'm not sure that I need to really follow Jesus Christ. I'm a pretty good person, but God has clearly spelled out in scripture that the only way to him is through his son, Jesus Christ. The only way. And so you and I at times think we can't hear God when we've not fully surrendered to his son, Jesus Christ. And so the call this morning is that you and I will realize we're called to hear God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 47, He says, Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. And church, the way we belong to God is surrendering and submitting to His Son, Jesus Christ. When we turn ourselves around, we allow his spirit to infuse us, where we make that public declaration through baptism that he is our Lord and Savior, that we're brought up out of that water, a brand new creation, where indeed we've allowed Jesus to transform us into the people that we were created to be. And so this morning is a call for each and every one of us to be introspective, to think about what in my life do I need to work on in order to better hear the voice of God? How do I break The silence. And so I'm inviting the praise team back to the stage at this time. And as we sing this song, their shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And if you need prayer, I want you to go seek one of those shepherds out and let them pray over you. But as we've gone through today, you've had that card where you've written some things down on. And either during the singing of this song or as you exit the auditorium, there are two crosses at the back of the auditorium. And I want to encourage you to roll those papers up and stick them in the cross. Symbolic of you surrendering those things to God. To say, God, I give this to you. I want to clearly hear your voice. I want to be the person you've created me to be. So I'm leaving these things at the cross, knowing that your son has made the way for me to get to you. And maybe this morning is a moment for you to think, you know, I've never publicly said that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Today is that day. Don't leave this room without having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He will rock your world. He will change your life. He will turn all things around and make all things new for you. So church is the call this morning for you and I to stop trying to do things on our own and surrender to Jesus Christ. And Maybe that's sin you need to confess in your life. Maybe that's someone you need to forgive. Maybe you need to honor and respect your spouse more. Maybe you need to get involved in ministry. Maybe you need to submit and follow Jesus Christ by becoming his disciple. So as we sing this song, let me encourage you, don't stay in your seat. Go visit one of the crosses. Leave your information there or do that as we exit the auditorium this morning. Let's stand and praise his name.